Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today's scripture comes from Genesis chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. For 40 days, the flood waters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the waters covered even the highest mountains on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. All the living things on earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray. We pray for your word, your truth, your light, your story to be made known to us today. So we pray that here in the middle, Lord, in the middle of wherever we are, we would find you again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm beginning this new sermon series called The Rest of the Story, and we're going to be looking at sort of the Bible stories that you might have learned in vacation Bible school, or you've heard about, or um, you you have a little children's Bible and and it's in there, Um, but what is the the rest of the story? Now, some of you, that the rest of the story, you know Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. I have an alternate title for my sermon series, um, because some of you may be familiar with the thing called Adam Ruins Everything. Um, this is Aaron Ruin's Bible stories over the next few weeks. Um, as we take these stories like Noah's Ark and we see what else is there. Because Noah's Ark really is this cute, like it is made for children's classroom story, right? You've got the bird, you've got the animals, you've got a boat, you've got water, you've got doves, you've got rainbows, you, you've, you've got this beautiful sort of picture. And, and my guess is, is there, that probably there are some of you, um, you either got your, your kids or grandkids some different Noah's Ark stuff, or, or as kids, maybe you have some Noah's Ark stuff. Uh, somebody told me that I have a, a, a Noah's Ark cookie jar, um, Nothing says, you know, like have some cookies, like I'm going to destroy the world, right? Um, but there are all sorts of different toys. If you, if you want some, some different toys um, that, that you can, can have, and so um, you can get puzzles. Um, these are things you can find on Amazon, so like Melissa and Doug's wooden puzzles. Look how cute that is. All right, the animals, they came in, they came in by twosies, twosies. The animals, they came in, they came in by came, twosies, twosies. Elephants and kangaroosies, roosies, children of the Lord. And I know, I know y'all learned that, all right? So we got, we got those uh, sort of things. There's also, you can do the classic Fisher Price um, play school sort of uh, cute little set there. 
Um, you know, if you want something a little bit different, but still in the Noah's Ark genre, I found a Veggie Tale version of Noah's Ark. So that's what everybody needs. And, and when I talk about Veggie Tales, I have to tell you all something I learned about, probably about oh, five, six months ago. So the founder of Veggie Tales, his mom was like, had a master's or a doctorate in Christian education. And so when he told her about his great idea to have tomatoes and cucumbers tell the good news of Jesus Christ, she said, Okay, that's a great idea. I think that will help the story. But there's two things you have to do, all right? She said, the first thing is, Jesus cannot be a vegetable. And so, if you think, if you go through the books or the movies that you've watched, Jesus is not a vegetable, all right? Um, and, and in fact, there's not a lot of stories about Jesus. There's more Old Testament stories or his parables, but Jesus is never a vegetable. The other thing she said is that vegetables don't go to heaven. Um, and so... Um, you're never going to hear Larry or Bob says, God loves us. He says, God loves you, all right, because vegetables can't go to heaven. If any, um, you know, cookies can go to heaven, I think, but I am with um, this guy's mom. I don't think there'll be vegetables in heaven, just like sweets and all sorts of stuff that you eat at Christmas time, not those other things. Now, if you're really looking, if you're really serious about your Noah's Ark love, you can spend like $5,000 and you can get this outdoor Noah's Ark playset for your backyard, just what every family needs. And so this story has become one that we tell the kids. It's, it's cute. It's full of goodness. But really, it's not. It's really a story of death and destruction. It's the opposite of cute. It's tragic. There's a tragic nature to the story. I mean, when I was, uh, when, when Heather was, she reads over my, my uh, sermon notes, and um, she said, Aaron, is this really the scripture you want to have a start the year with? Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out everything. Can, I mean, just the, the destruction and the pain the devastation. This isn't just a story of cute animals hopping onto an ark. This is a story of death, of pain, and destruction. And so in the beginning of our story, and so yesterday, if you started your Bible reading plan, it's not too late if you didn't. Yesterday, if you started your Bible reading plan, you read the story of creation, how everything was good, and, and there was this beautiful side of it. Creation happened. Life came out of nothing. But what happened after that is, is that life just got worse and worse and worse. All right, it's kind of like Murphy's Law. Have you ever had one of those situations in which you thought things were going to go well, but then everything bad that could happen did happen, right? I'm sure we've all probably been there. For me, one of the most profound times when that has happened is when I've been playing Madden video games. And I'm really, I used to be really pretty good at Madden. I don't play it as much anymore. But I would, I would win almost every time. But every once in a while, I'd be playing in the playoffs, right? These are when it really matters. And I should be winning. But everything wrong that, that possibly could go wrong is going wrong. And so I'd make the perfect pass, and it would just bounce off my receiver's hands, and it would be intercepted and returned for a touchdown. And I'm like, this isn't right. And then my kickoff return guy would fumble. And, and then all of a sudden I'd throw a touchdown pass, but there was the one random holding call that happens each game, and it happened on that sort of stuff. And do you know what I did? I thought, this isn't right. I'm just going to hit the reset button, right? I know I'm not the only one who's ever done that in a game. You're like, eh, nope, just reset. Oh, look, it's 0-0 zero, zero again. This is the image I almost get for the Noah story. Is it here? Everything that could go wrong with humanity has gone wrong, and God is taking a decreation event so he can have a recreation time in the story of Noah. We find in Genesis 
6, 5, it says this. How bad did it get? The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Do you hear the intensity in that? The wickedness, everything they thought or imagined was consistently or totally evil. This beautiful creation, humanity who God said was very good, now was just ruined and consistently and totally evil. Now it goes on to say, so the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, all the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the grounds, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. I mean, just this absolute brokenness of the world that had happened. But Noah found favor with God. And this is what it tells us about Noah, that Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. As I was preaching this at the first service, I thought, of all the compliments that could ever be given at somebody's funeral, this is what I would want people to say about me. He walked in close fellowship with God. This is what it means to be part of God's creation, is to walk in closeness with God. With him. Now, how close did Noah walk? It says in our scripture, so Noah did everything exactly how God commanded him. God told him what was going to happen and what to do, and Noah did everything exactly how God commanded him. Now, I know that sometimes I'm given instructions, and I do everything, but not exactly how I was commanded to do. I find my own way to do things, right? There are some of us that, that we, we get a pathway and we, we get instructions and we're like, no thanks, I'll do it my way. We, we don't want to do that. I follow the YouTube videos as much as possible, right? I don't want to screw something up. But, we do ev- but here Noah did everything exactly how God commanded. It actually says it twice. There's another scripture that says, so Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. And he built this ark, this huge boat, which was going to house all the animals that were in there. Now, I know that if, if some of us were, were Noah, we would have argued with God. At some point in time during the creation of the ark, we would have said, well, God, is this really the best way to do this? Because there was a fatal flaw in God's design of the ark. And, and, and there's just a, a small little note about it in Genesis 7:16, and it says this word, then the Lord closed the door behind them. There was no way to close the door from the inside. So imagine you're Noah. And you, you get in the boat, and you're like, now what? what what's going to happen? How do I move forward? And, and it would have been really easy for, for some of you, especially you problem solvers out there, you'd been like, God, what about the door? Like, how am I going to close that? And, and we oftentimes, sometimes in our life, when we're trying to be faithful and walk the steps of God, we still question God and say, God, what about this? What about that? And we're not always sure exactly what God wants us to do. And we question and we say, well, God, I'm just going to take care of things. But here, Noah just did everything exactly as God had told him, and God took care of the thing that needed to happen. And so I just love this little note. And sometimes when you're reading scripture, and especially as you're reading throughout this year, you're going to see little notes sometimes that you never noticed before. Pay attention to those. And here it is. The Lord closed the door behind them. And then it happened. The flood came and the rain 
destroyed. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. They were there for 150 days, it says, on the water. And everything was destroyed. Everything was wiped out. Imagine all the pain and suffering and the sorrow that happened. And Noah and his wife and his three boys and their wives were the only ones who remained. And so after this long time, these days and days of rain, and sometimes that's the way life feels, right? It just feels like it's just going to keep raining. It feels like the darkness is just going to keep winning. And in fact, it tells us, um, and, and in their understanding of, of water, there was water under the earth and there was water above the earth. And so with the floods, it wasn't just the rain coming, but actually the, the earth was releasing water up too to cover everything. But when it finally receded, what's the first thing Noah did? We find that in 820, it says these words. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animal and birds that had been approved for that purpose. The first thing that Noah did when he could is that he worshipped. In fact, that was part of what God had commanded him to do. He told him to take seven pairs of certain animals so that he could make the sacrifices that were required. And so he did exactly what God had told him to do, which was to worship. I'm so so thankful for all of you who are here and all of you who are watching online because you did the first thing this year, which was to start your year in in worship, even though it's 18 degrees outside, and I know it was just miserable, and it's going to be just painful when we leave, right? I mean, it's so cold that, like, I mean, I was outside for like eight seconds yesterday, and it's like my hands are frozen for two hours. Um, I mean, you know, but here we, we choose, we prioritize. And that's part of Noah's faithfulness. And in this year of faithfulness, we want to be people who walk closely with God. And one of the ways we do that is to choose to worship, to come to the altar. Um, And we don't do the burnt animal sacrifices, but we offer ourselves to God and say, God, here I am. And so this is part of the faithfulness of Noah. And God shows his incredible love and faithfulness as well. Genesis 9, 12, and 13 says these words. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. That's us. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. He goes on to say, it is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the flood waters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the sky, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. And it's still, I don't know about you, but, you know, after when I see a rainbow in the sky, and especially when I see like the whole rainbow, just what a gift it is. It's a reminder that the rain doesn't last forever. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness, of his promise. It's this beautiful thing, Roy G. Biv, right? That's how I learned it. I don't know how, how you all learned it. Um, but, but this beautiful thing of color, of life in the midst of darkness. Right after the darkness comes this beautiful rainbow. And there's just something so precious about it. And so I do know why we love the, the, the seeing the, the rainbow in the sky and why we have it with our kids. And as part of this 
attraction, but, but there's even more to the story um, for, for the people who were living then. This was a sign and a symbol that, that really has such power and such interest. And so in those days, bows were one of the major weapons at the, the time. And so um, if you have a, a bow and it's shaped and you're ready to do it at people, the bow is faced towards the enemy. Now, one of the things, they were big in symbols in those days. And so one of the symbols of a peace treaty is that the bow that once was faced this way would be turned around away from the enemy and be faced towards you. It would be a sign of we're not attacking you anymore, but we're turning our bow around. And that is a symbol of the peace treaty that would happen. Now, think about what happened in our story. The bow, the arrows that God shot the rain down with have been turned upside down. And he has said, I have pointed my bow at myself. I have hung my bow in the clouds. I'm not going to attack you anymore. I'm not going to destroy the earth. I'm not going to come out. I'm going to find a way of redemption. He hung his bow. And I think for us, as we look at this, we should be marveled at his power and authority and also his mercy. We should be caught up in the fact that the God can destroy everything, but the fact that he has chosen not to. Jesus says it in Matthew this way, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body, for they cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, there are sometimes we're a little bit uncomfortable with this idea of fearing God. And I don't think that this means that we should be, be just in the corner crying, terrified of, of, of God. Or, you know, if you have a, I, I used to really not like dogs as a, as a kid. And so there was this particular dog who we had to walk by on our way to school that would just bark the whole chain link fix. You guys know those dogs? Some of you have those dogs. They just bark, 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 bark. And so I just remember being afraid, you know, just walking the long way always around because I didn't want to do that. That's is not what it means to, to fear of God. Here's the way that I understand it. And so uh, my son Micah is, is 12, um, and one day he will be 16. And so Micah, when you turn 16, I want you, when you grab the wheel of the car, to be terrified. Not terrified that something is going to happen, but about the amount of power that you have in your hands. Because you have the power to hurt yourself. You have the power to hurt the person who's sitting next to you. You have the power to hurt the person who is coming on the road. I want you to not just think, oh, driving's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. It's a big responsibility. And as you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And so that's what I want fear to be like. I mean, if somebody has a gun, I want them to understand the power that comes from that, that they, they respect and they revere what could happen. And this is some of our approach that we need to have towards God, is that we have this fear and this utter respect that we are not just dealing with a small God. We're not just dealing with another entity. We are dealing with the God of heaven and of earth who has the power to destroy the world and has the mercy not to. He has the power to speak, and universes are formed. He has the power to speak, and people are healed he has the power to speak and people fall down. One of the sort of hidden stories in the crucifixion of Jesus is found in John chapter 18. And this is what it said. This is Jesus in the garden 
All right, he's about to be arrested. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? All these people were coming to arrest him. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who, was, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I mean, it's like a Benny Hinn thing. They all just whoosh, right? But the bodies hit the floor. And so here, in the midst of this, the power it was, I wonder how Jesus said it. I sometimes wonder, you know, we don't always get the inflection in the scripture. Did he just say, I am he, and everybody fell over? Did he proclaim it, I am he, and everybody fell over? What was it that caused them to experience the power? This is the power of Jesus, and this is the power of God. But Jesus did not come to this earth to destroy it, to crush us, to condemn us. Instead, he came to forgive us. And so what we see in the Noah story is actually something, a type of something we're going to see in the Jesus story. Because in the Noah story, God hung his bow as an act of mercy to creation. And Jesus hung on the cross. The symbol of the rainbow is a symbol of the cross. It's a symbol of power and love, of sacrifice and generosity. It's a symbol of God, who though he has all the power, has chosen to embrace us and love us. He's chosen to forgive us and renew us. He's chosen to be with us. This is our God, and this is what we come to worship. And so when you come to worship, when you come to gather, we don't just come taking it easy, but I pray that you have a reverence when you come to encounter the God of the universe who can speak the words and life and healing can break out, who can speak truth, who can release those shackles that Kendrell was talking about, and who can release you from your sins, your sorrows, your burdens, can release you from your guilt. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.